On today's show, the latest reporting around Kevin Durant indicates that he may be willing to hold out if he's not traded by the Nets before the season. Is this a good thing or a bad thing for Miami's chances of landing Durant? Plus, why Udonis Haslam might not be a lock to return to the Heat next season. All of that and much more coming up on today's Locked on Heat. You are Locked on Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, welcome to Locked on Heat, your daily podcast covering all things Miami Heat. I'm Wes Goldberg here with David Rumel. However, you might be tuning in on YouTube, Odyssey, or your favorite podcast app. Thank you so much for making Locked on Heat your first listen every day, taking a break from our 2006 NBA Finals rewatch. We have Game 6 coming up later this week. We're going to record it today, but we got some news to talk about, David, so we're going to postpone that and get to some of the latest. We'll get into uh, Udonis Haslam's future here in a minute, but let's begin today with the latest on Kevin Durant. According to both Mark Stein and Brian Windhorst, the belief around the league is that KD could be willing to hold out if he's not traded by the Nets before the start of the season. And as Mark Stein put it in his most recent newsletter, uh, Durant is comfortable causing a, and this is the word he used, a ruckus uh, in order to get his way and and still would like to play for Phoenix or Miami Although the names Boston and Philadelphia are also mentioned as, I guess, you know, possible destinations. Now, David, what do you think about how the tone has changed around the reporting and the commentary regarding Kevin Durant and that whole situation? Well, initially it was, can they salvage it, right? Like, it it didn't seem like it was such a dire situation. His meeting with Nets owner Joe Sy, I think, was kind of vague like you didn't know exactly what the next step was it was either us or it was me or them right and in reference to Steve Nash and uh and Sean Marks and now we've taken this sharp turn where it's like no no I I I trade me I'm gone uh because apparently it doesn't really matter whether or not they trade they fire excuse me Marks and Nash it's about his unwillingness to be there and that's 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 a little change that we didn't expect I don't think that I don't see what his problem with Brooklyn is. It's not the city that's a problem. It's not the market that's a problem. Obviously, those are, you know, both great places, the great aspects of being a Nets player. So does this go beyond just the front office being a problem? Is it just that he wants to move on? And it's kind of like linking back to something that I mentioned last week. Like, how do we know where Kevin Durant is going to be in two years. Because it just seems like with every passing season, he grows more and more fickle yeah. about what it is that satisfies him or what it is that motivates him to go to that next level. I, I, I Look, not reporting anything, obviously, and kind of in line with what they're saying. Like, I don't see why he wouldn't contemplate retirement. Like, he's already done everything he needs to do as an individual basketball player and as a team player. Like, he's won his titles. He's won his MVP. His legacy is secure he could retire now at this point in time because I just don't know what it is that keeps him coming back for more, especially when he just well, seems so constantly unhappy. Well, it, it's sort of what we, everybody was talking about when this stuff initially was reported that Kevin Durant had requested a trade. And nobody thought that he would ever hold out because, quote, he likes to play basketball too much. He just loves the game so much that he would he's he would never hold out. Oh no no, he would never do that. He would never do what Ben Simmons did because he would never do what Kyrie Irving did because we're not even sure if those guys like to play basketball. Right. But one thing we do we don't know much about Kevin Durant and it's hard to know him. Yep. But one thing we do know about Kevin Durant, he loves basketball. Like that is not under any sort of question, right? And so 
everybody around him was saying, oh, no, he'll never hold out because he wants to play too bad. He wants to be out there whenever, anytime he can. He already missed an entire season mm. with injury. He just never wants to go through anything like that again. And now the tone has sort of changed around it where, well, not so sure, not so fast. Like, he, we actually could hold out. We actually might make this even more uncomfortable for you. And so you and I talked about that initial conversation um, regarding him and Joe Tsai and, and, and demanding that Steve Nash and Sean Marks be fired. And my read on it was wrong initially. My read on it was, okay, just fire Sean Marks and Steve right. Nash. Boom, you got Kevin Durant back. No problem. Right. But that apparently isn't, it isn't even his goal. He doesn't care with whether or not Steve Nash is the head coach or not. He don't even care. He's just trying to make things as uncomfortable as possible. And boy, would that be uncomfortable if they do not trade Kevin Durant and Steve Nash is still the head coach, which according to Joe Tsai on Twitter, he's got support. Mm. He's supportive of Steve Nash, which doesn't mean a whole lot. Yeah. It just means he's supportive. Like, I'm supportive of a whole lot of things. I don't know what that means. But it's... It, Whatever. If Steve Nash comes back and Kevin Durant is still there, yeah, that's a really awkward situation. Whether or not Durant wants Steve Nash fired or not, the fact that he was willing to throw Steve Nash under the bus just to get his own way is still a tough situation for Steve Nash to be in, who, by the way, has to try to coach this team um, if he's still hired there. Yeah. But the I, I it, it, it just feels like this is just... Are we really going to add this to the, the player empowerment well, playbook? Are we really going to just say, like, hey... I want this guy fired. I want that guy fired, though. Like, I really don't care if they're fired or not. I just want to make things uncomfortable. I'm just going to basically be a jerk. And that's basically that's the way Jimmy Butler got out of Minnesota. Mm. It's the way that Harden got out of Houston. It's We've seen this time well, and time again, but it's just like we keep out. inventing new ways to be a jerk to get out of a place you don't want to be. They didn't hold out, though. Like They did not hold out. Right. Harden showed up out of shape and just didn't play defense. But And... and 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 Jimmy Butler almost showed up and played too hard for Minnesota, and they and then they're like, oh, we're not we're not about that here, and so they got rid of him. But yeah, this is like like I said, it's just sort of the same thing but different. It's just like another page in this weird like get me out of here playbook, and it's just I don't know. I'm not. This is like not a commentary this. on empowerment, but like it just feels icky. I don't like the feel of this. I don't like the tone of it. It's just this. This is not good. This is not good. I don't know. I don't. I, I think we're kind of overstating things, I, at least from my perspective. I, I don't necessarily mind this. I, I'm not like on the Brooklyn side of things where it's like, oh, you've got a contract, you've got to live it out, et cetera. I, I, I just, my issue is, and what it's always been, is that I don't know, and I don't think anybody does, and I don't think he knows what he wants. I don't know what the ideal situation is for Kevin Durant, and I don't think Kevin Durant knows what the ideal situation is for him yeah. either. And that's the problem, is that... That he's upset that Kyrie Irving got screwed over by this front office, which is why he made those claims in the first place that they had to be fired, right. where he delivered his ultimatum to Joe Tsai. If that's the case, then I think it would be much more clear-cut. And along with what you had proposed, it's like, well, that's the path to firing Nash and Marks is, you know, we want to keep KD. But it doesn't seem like that's the yeah. case. It doesn't seem like he wants to be in Brooklyn now. But that's the team he chose. They built the team because of him. They added James Harden because of him. They added... DeAndre Jordan, because of him, they've done everything they possibly could to cater to his wishes, and now it's simply not enough. And, and you wonder what's the next step. Well, I think that's the argument for Kevin Durant is, well, you haven't done everything I asked. You didn't give Kyrie Irving the extension I wanted you to give him. You didn't uh, You didn't support Kyrie initially when he decided not to get the vaccine and mm -hmm. become unavailable. You would not allow him to be around the team and be a part-time player. Look— I am the last person to defend Kyrie in that entire yeah, situation. But if you're Kevin Durant, this whole idea that Brooklyn has bent over backwards for you, while I agree that is that is the case, 
I could see that if you're Kevin Durant, how you would say, well, no, you haven't really bent over backwards for me because you, you betrayed my best friend, Kyrie Irving, who was part of the package when I came here in the first place. I would never have come to Brooklyn if you not signed Kyrie Irving. And so if you're not going to respect Kyrie Irving, I'm out of here because we're a package deal. And you obviously don't respect him the way that you respect me. Yeah. This is just, it's been too wishy-washy from the start. And I think that's part of the problem is that they, they, and I guess this must, ha- this must happen. I don't want to sound like I'm naive about this. And I understand your superstar will always have, it has always had a lot of power with their respective organizations, but it's kind of also what makes Miami stand out. It's that they don't kowtow to these players to the same degree. Like it's okay to have whatever off the court interest you're going to have. They haven't done anything about stopping Jimmy Butler and his love of coffee, tennis, women, wine, whatever. Like they're not going to change any of that. And they're not going to try to change it because well, he does the work, and they've never doubted that for an instant. The problem was when, reportedly, LeBron James wanted things done his way as far as players traveling with a team or friends of his traveling with players and things of that sort. And that's that's where they draw the line. There has to be an ultimate commitment to basketball. I don't know if it's the right way, but I know that it works. And, and I think that's the problem with Brooklyn is that they started giving ground almost from day one when they accepted – Kyrie and KD on their team and now they all of a sudden have to draw a line put their foot down and say no more this is it this is where we are and now right. they have no choice like that I, I don't I don't know what else they can give KD because apparently nothing is enough to make him satisfied so just let him hold out that's just this is where you draw the line make a stand right now and just say good one you want to hold out what I don't want to pay your ass well, anyway it, it feels like we're going down that road don't we because Joe Sai is out here publicly saying things on Twitter while Kevin Durant has been on Twitter but not publicly talking yeah, about his trade talking about everything but his um, situation in Brooklyn for sure no absolutely um but now you have a power struggle mm. happening right now in Brooklyn and so I do think what you just said just let him hold out I kind of think that's where like like I think that's where ownership is right now. They're just like, yeah, Kevin Durant, you want to hold out? All right, you got four years left on your contract, buddy. How long are you willing to do it? Yeah. And we just and this and by the way, this whole thing that's happening with Philadelphia and Ben Simmons with Philadelphia withholding his salary the way that they did, and now him basically suing to try to get it back, and th- that how that plays out is very important, right? And in, in depending on how long the Kevin Durant quote unquote holdout lasts, not that it. it Technically, has not even begun yet, but that's what they are threatening. Um, if if Ben Simmons is able to get his money back or even a, a, a significant portion of it back, then Kevin Durant gets a lot more comfortable holding out, right? But if Ben Simmons just loses that money, Kevin Durant maybe the hot get maybe the seat gets a little warm under him. So right? how does and, and so how does this benefit Miami then? Because I think that's the conversation a lot of our listeners and viewers right. want to hear. So exactly, and you mentioned you know how the Heat's front office deals with these kinds of things. How does this impact Miami? Does Miami want anything to do with Kevin Durant at this point? That's what we're going to get to here next. But first, today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. If you haven't tried Built Bar Puffs yet, you are depriving yourself of one of life's greatest joys. And guess what? There is a new flavor. Are you ready? Delicious, indulgent cookie dough. Covered in chocolate. That's right. Built has done it again. Let me introduce you to your new favorite cookie dough chunk puffs. They have a light and chewy texture, real cookie dough chunks, and of course, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. All of the joys of eating cookie dough without the hassle of making it. Plus, it's healthy for you. Cookie dough chunk puffs are only 160 calories. They have a whopping 15 grams of protein. So run to Built.com to snag a box for you and the family. It's the perfect treat, or you can find a really good hiding place and just hoard them for yourself. Like all Built Bars, the new cookie dough chunk puff is covered in 100% real chocolate. That means they're healthy and tasty. Chocolate-covered cookie dough with a light, fluffy texture, it's 
delicious. That's great. What's great about Built is that all of their bars are made with collagen protein, which your body absorbs more efficiently and provides tons of health benefits. I think it's good for your hair and your fingernails, yeah. I hear. So that's something. Eat something that tastes good and is good for you. You're going to love the new cookie dough chunk puff. Whether you need a snack for your workout, a late night treat, or just need to grab a quick bite, Built is the perfect protein bar, and they taste better than a candy bar. So ditch the calories, the fat, and the sugar, and grab yourself a Built bar. Go to Built.com, use the promo code LOCKEDON15, and get 15% off on your order. Again, use that promo code LOCKEDON15. Back here, Locked On Heat. Find us on Instagram and on Twitter, at Locked On Heat. Got a bunch of social content out there for you there. Of course, subscribe on YouTube if you're watching us there. We're going to get to Udonis Haslam's future here in a minute, but we're continuing our conversation regarding Kevin Durant and how this fits in with Miami's plans. Now, I don't know about you, David. You brought up the concern that maybe Kevin Durant is not the right choice for the Heat, or or this is certainly a factor. He's so wishy-washy. What's he going to want? I mean, you could see how things would go south in Phoenix. You could see how things would go south in Miami. I mean, let's say, hypothetically, and let's not even talk about trade packages because we've done that a million times. Yep. But the Heat trade whatever it takes to get Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant is playing for the Miami Heat next season. What? How does that go wrong? I think because that's sort of the calculus that you have to do. You kind of have to play that. You have to game it out if you're the Heat's front office, right? Is All right. I think that's a real factor is the emotional, uh, you know, state of Kevin Durant and, and how much you could trust that and whether or not he's going to want out in a year, two years, three years, or sometime, sometime below uh, uh, before that contract expires. And now whatever you traded for Kevin Durant, assuming that it's going to be a whole lot of the future, mm-hmm. if not all of it, can you even recoup any of that back? How much of it could you recoup back? All of this matters. All of this comes into the, all of this is a factor in the decision-making process. But like, how does that go wrong? Does, do, are the Heat almost, if Kevin Durant wasn't happy with how Brooklyn, they, apparently they bent over backwards, but, but not enough. Obviously, right. like you said, Miami's not going to bend over backwards to the degree that Brooklyn did. Is he going to be cool with that? I don't know. I, I think he would. My, my feeling is that uh, he's chameleon-like in terms of his personality and what he wants, and he changes. Uh, there's a great book about not just the Oklahoma City Thunder, but also the city of Oklahoma City itself called Boomtown, and it really reveals a lot about Kevin Durant and how he's viewed by OKC Media, and it's written after the fact that he's already left the team to some degree, too, so it's just... You, you already know exactly what's happening, but he, the reporter is the author in this case, I guess, is is there talking to Kevin and his, I'm not sure what the right word would be. It, there, he is prone to not flights of fancy or whimsy or anything like that, but he can change his opinion a lot. And he kind of just adapts to whatever the scenery is and then kind of decides who he's going to be from that point forward. Maybe a lot of people do this to some degree, but I think when it manifests at this level from a player and person, you know, the, the size of Kevin Durant, like it, it has large ripple effects. So in, in OKC, the media was banned basically because KD didn't like talking to media. They were very, very strict. Like the policies that we've heard and that we've been had to deal with on occasion from uh, OKC PR was to bend over backwards, not just for KD, but for all Westbrook and for Harden and for anybody else. Uh, then he goes to Golden State, and it's different, right? The media is a lot more open to to you know conversing with him. It's a little different. It's all about the free flowing yeah. game of basketball, the beautiful game that he loves so much. But what does he encounter there? Oh, he'll never be appreciated the way Steph Curry does. And while he's right. refuted that, while he's whatever he's, he said that's never been the issue, uh, that there was more behind the scenes, that it was a problem with Steve Kerr and all this stuff. I don't know how much I buy that. I think he he wants to be loved 
and adored wherever he goes. And even that might not be enough because he was adored and worshipped in Oklahoma City. He just couldn't get it done in terms of building a championship there. Then he goes to Brooklyn and now all of a sudden he gets the power he wants that he thinks he wants anyway, that he says, oh, I, I get to exude control over the roster building the same way LeBron James and maybe uh, Michael Jordan had once upon a time. Other than that, no real player has had that kind of decision-making power. Now KD gets it and hasn't quite worked out either. In Miami, I think he would like the regimented nature of things. But I think we're going to see little aspects of all that where they're not going to kowtow to him to the same degree that other teams have. It's never going to be his team. It's Jimmy Butler's team, and that's it. And even then, you're still living under the legacy of Dwayne Wade and to some degree, Chris Bosh and LeBron James. And so I don't know that he's going to be comfortable and or happy with that. So I, I think that, it could work. Well, go ahead if you have something to add. No, no, no I think that's that's exactly where I think it would go south is I don't, Jimmy Butler doesn't have – Jimmy Butler is not to the Heat what Steph Curry is to the Warriors, right? Absolutely that's not. that's sort of a Dwayne Wade. Dwayne Wade is to the Heat what Steph Curry is to the Warriors, right? And, and that's a good point that you make. He will always live under the shadow of 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 Dwayne Wade, just like any star player has come that has come through Miami. But at the same time, um, I think if Kevin Durant were to come to Miami and let's say deliver a championship, the way that Dwayne Wade was order, somewhat able to hand the baton off to LeBron. I never would say it was LeBron's team, but it felt like it was that they were co-stars in it. And and maybe that more, speaks more to Dwayne Wade's unselfishness and LeBron's willingness to embrace that. Because Steph Curry is clearly one of the most unselfish superstars we've ever seen. For him to even agree to have Kevin Durant on his team in the first place. I just think Kevin Durant didn't embrace it the way that LeBron did when LeBron was in Miami. That said, um, I think the Heat would be open to allowing Kevin Durant to be like, they, they would try to make him feel like it was his team as much as possible, right? Whatever that means, his team, and, and that's a whole other debate. But they would try to make it feel that way as much as possible. And the, there is a bit of... a shot with a game on the line? KD. It would be KD, yeah. It would have to be. Yeah. I mean, just from a basketball perspective, it would be nuts not to give it to Durant. No, but, for sure. Um, so I think it would be. And I think Jimmy Butler would be fine with that because Jimmy Butler finds so much reward in the game in other places. Hey, I'll make the stop and the steal to get you the game-winning shot. Jimmy Butler would be very happy with that. Um, Kevin Durant would be very happy taking the shot, and obviously he would have to take the shot. So I, I think there would be that. And also the Heat, since the LeBron era, have sort of backtracked on the very sort of militaristic stuff that they did. Like, they allow... like Jimmy Butler and Kyle Lowry don't talk to the media if it's not after a game, right? That's, you know, that's part of... The, what it's like to cover like and Kyle Lowry's a great player, a, hall, a future Hall of Famer, but at this point in his career, does he like we're, you're giving Kyle Lowry that kind of say? And we've already heard like Kyle Lowry talk about his conversation with Eric Spolstra before the season. Lowry saying to Spo like, "Hey, look, I know how you do things in Miami, but I'm an adult and I've won a championship and I'm going to do things a little bit differently. I'm going to do things my way." And Spo being like, "All right, cool. As long as you're coming to Miami, I'm good with it." And so they've sort of backtracked under the Eric Spolster regime, and as Eric Spolster has gotten more power, he's a little bit more player forward than I think Pat Riley was. And so, yeah, I, I think there would be a little bit of that. Jimmy Butler also doesn't warm up on the court. He warms up at the practice court, and they're cool with it. They're fine with it. And I think as long as you give Kevin Durant that much of a leash, you give him that much room to Black, sort of— yeah. yeah, slack to kind of, all right, pick and choose the things that are really important to him, Right that maybe he would be happy. And at the end of the day, if they're winning, 
you'd have to say, well, what's wrong with this picture then, Kevin Durant? But to your point, he always finds something wrong with the picture. He always he finds something new and something wrong. Maybe it's the humidity, and he's like, you know what? I just can't do it. I'm out of here. Trade me something le- somewhere less humid. Like, who knows what it would be with him? Yeah. yeah. Now that you're talking about it, and, 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 and I guess between your ideas about it and my ideas, it kind of feels like it is the very best balance of both worlds that that there is a regimented stability to this organization that you won't find anywhere else really and having said that also enough flexibility and quote unquote player empowerment so that each player can do their own thing have their own interests and still have uh, autonomy so long as they fit in within the overall hierarchy structure of miami heat basketball right and that kind of stability might be appealing to somebody. Well, KD loved that stuff in Golden State. He loved how committed it was to basketball and to winning. He loved the the culture of the of that organization. The problem was everything we were like the other stuff. Yep. It was I not I'm not getting enough credit. And right. you know maybe a part of him just you know wanted to live in New York. And I'm sure it was a, a myriad of factors. But yeah. you know ultimately it was not the basketball that got in the way in Golden State. Right? It wasn't the organ like. You talk about Golden State. It's it's like Miami. It's like Toronto. It's like San Antonio. Great cultures from the top down where it's just like, yeah, well, you're not going to complain about that stuff. It, like, and, and they've got the track record where you're like, all right, I trust what's being done here. Whereas in Brooklyn, yeah. everything, it was a team made up. It was just that come, came out of nowhere. Right. And, and they had no track record. So there was no level of trust. There was no Pat Riley coming in and putting the rings on the table and be like, just trust me. Okay, I got this. Nobody on nobody in, in Brooklyn could do that. Not even Steve Nash who won a pair of MVPs, never did anything as a head coach. And so it's a little bit different. And so I, He's spoken highly I, about Riley and Spolstra in particular, right? I yeah. think it was the Bill Simmons yeah. podcast a couple of years ago where he just, mm-hmm. like, he raved about Spo. Uh, and I think he's never been so uh, affluent with his, 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 his praise of Steve Kerr or right. Nash or Scott Brooks. I mean, <laughs> maybe right. that's not a lot to choose from there. Kerr is certainly a great coach. But I don't know. I, I wonder if... Uh, I wonder how he Maybe. feels about the like the strength of this organization. Like like now that we're kind of working this out, I was like, I think he would want to be here more than any other place because I think it, it's a perfect marriage for him as, yeah. in terms of giving him what he wants, commitment to high level basketball, freedom to explore off the court interests, do your own thing, but also just be part of the team as long as you're committed. And I don't think anybody's ever questioned his commitment, with the exception of now, in terms of whether or not he'll hold out next season. It seems like this right. is the best place for him. It seems interesting, too, that the other team he listed was Phoenix. And I think a lot of people would say, well, they had the best record in the Western Conference, but they couldn't quite get over the right. hump. Kind of ditto of the Warriors situation last year. But is it a coincidence? I don't know that James Jones, who basically learned how to run the Suns based on, and James Jones has talked publicly about this, based on how Miami operates with yeah. Pat Riley. At, like James Jones is trying to create the Miami Western Conference, basically. Yeah. Um, I do wonder if that's a coincidence. It might be. It might just be a coincidence. I don't know. It might just be, hey, the Phoenix Suns are really good. Kevin Durant sees that as a team that he could just put bring over the hump. Maybe it's as simple as that. And also Phoenix is, what, an hour private jet from L.A. where he could also explore some of those business ventures and, and those kinds of things. And, you know, he's got his own production company the same way that LeBron does. Yeah. I, maybe. Maybe that's all there is. But it is interesting. Um, I think basketball-wise it, wor- basketball it would work out. What would you say? Where's Rich Kleiman from? Isn't that his... Uh... I think he's a New Yorker. I think that's probably the reason why they're in New York. That makes sense. Um, don't quote me on that, though. But I, I'm pretty sure that's true. Um, I don't know. I, I Look, 
I think the Heat are willing to trade for Kevin yes. Durant. I think they desperately want Kevin Durant. That's not the question. It's just I think what you and I were just sort of gaming out is what does that look like down the road. Maybe Pat Riley doesn't care. Maybe Pat Riley only needs like, hey, as long as he's happy for two years while Jimmy Butler is still at this level, yeah. we're good. Whatever happens after that, however, however he finds his way to be unhappy after that, I don't really care. We'll just trade him then and just get more stuff. But what we do know is that they're not willing to trade the entire future for Kevin Durant for one reason or the other, whether or not they're not convinced that he'll be happy long-term or they just believe, hey, we wouldn't be good enough if right. we trade everything for Kevin Durant to win a championship in the first place. Whatever the reason is, we know where the Heat stand, but it was interesting to sort of game it out and see how this plays out. I, last thing on this, and then we'll move on to Donis Haslam. Is this latest reporting around KD good or bad for Miami? In terms of their wishes to get Kevin Durant. I think it's good. I think it helps the team. Yeah. Um, because if things are getting to you. that point where it's dire, and I think Windhorse in particular made a really good point about, like, you don't want to go into training camp with the the burden, the the heavy, dark cloud weighing of this. Because one way or the other, you've got to find a way to move on. If you're leaning in with Kyrie and whatever else they have on that roster, whomever else they have on that roster, then move on. But you can't just have that dragging in there. Because we saw what it, how it impacted the the Houston Rockets a couple of years ago with James Harden. We saw how it's impacted the Minnesota Timberwolves when Jimmy was... Well, James Harden just... Re- at the deadline last year, they said, hey, no, we got to get this James Harden thing done before the deadline because we don't want to go into the playoffs with this. Right. So we've seen Brooklyn sort of succumb to the wishes of the star before just trying to find their way out from under that dark cloud. They just don't want to deal with it. But maybe that's a reason why they say, you know what? We're just not going to do it this time. Now we're going to put our foot down. Who knows? Yeah, if the strength, I'm with you. I think if, it's a good thing. If the strength of Boston's trade or proposed trade package or reported trade package was as strong as it is, then they would have pulled the trigger already, right? I mean, isn't that the general consensus on this? And it's, I know they're trying to angle for more, Yeah, but I think they that's where more. you start opening up whether or not Miami even has a legitimate chance of putting something together. There's... There's still a buffer. We're still like a month and a half away before training camp starts. So I, it, for Brooklyn, it makes no sense to trade him now. If, if you want to avoid the black cloud, you could still do that a month from now. Yeah. You know, you just keep waiting for a better offer. I mean, it's the offers close, aren't going to get worse. They're not going to get worse. It is getting close. It isn't. All right. It's getting close to Udonis Haslam's just, uh, time to decide whether or not he's going to come back for next season. We're going to talk really about good. that next here on Locked on Heat. Locked on Heat, your daily podcast covering all things Miami Heat. We'll get to uh, game six of our 2006 NBA Finals rewatch later on in the week. Reach out, lockedonheat at gmail.com. Let's move now to Donis Haslam, who told reporters at Nova Southeastern on Monday. That's where I I graduated uh, high school, David, Nova. Really? I didn't go to high school at Nova because that would make no sense. But, uh, yeah, our... Graduating class was so large. Oh, your commencement ceremony was held at Nova Southeastern. Is that what you're? Yeah, what I graduated high school. Yeah, is that what a commencement ceremony is? I graduated high school at Nova Southeastern. Yeah, they held it at Nova in order to be able to house the vast amount of students that that we had. Nice. Um, Fun fact about one of the co-hosts here on Lockdown Heat. Anyway. Udonis Haslam said at the spot of my high school graduation on Monday that he hasn't decided whether to return to the Heat next season, saying, quote, uh, now the, uh, or I go back and forth with myself about it. Yeah. It's not a physical thing. I could still do it. It's more mentally. And he yeah. talks about how his father wanted him to play 20 years in the NBA. Of course, um, Udonis Haslam's dad no longer with us. And so he speaks pretty openly yeah. to reporters about the fact that, hey, like I don't really have to appease my dad anymore because he's not alive there's obviously still part of him that wants to honor that that memory and 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 what his father wanted for him 
but he's also spoken about the fact that he didn't do a whole lot of what his father wanted to do and wanted him to do throughout his career. He didn't. He he sacrificed money to stay with Miami. He sacrificed playing time to stay with Miami. And according to Udonis, he was his dad wasn't always cool with that. And Udonis hasn't always did his own thing. But there's clearly this sort of internal battle with him about whether or not he wants to come back or not. And now, the Heat have given Udonis Haslam that option. It's up to him. They have a contract, a minimum contract, $2.3 million or something like that, at the table waiting for Udonis Haslam to sign it. Now, this kind of lines up with you know stuff that I've been hearing this summer. That Udonis Haslam coming back for his 20th season was far from a guarantee. And now we have his comments on Monday basically confirming that. Um, what do you think about uh, what Udonis Haslam has said and, and sort of the decision he has to make here? I, I think we're, we've heard something from him for the first time now in terms of a specific role that he wants to establish for himself. And he uses phrase, a hybrid owner. And this is his quote, an owner that gets out there and does more than just sit on the sideline, cross his legs and watch, I want to work. I want to continue to push the culture and continue to impact the next generation of winning for the Miami Heat. So he sees himself entering Miami's front office and then, in his terms, again, a hybrid mm-hmm. owner. So I think that's perfectly in line with what the organization would want from him. Uh, I'm not sure how willing they are to accede an ownership stake for him. If there were questions about whether or not they were willing to give Dwayne Wade that significant piece of the puzzle, I don't know why they would want to give it to Udonis Haslam uh, as much as he is beloved around that front office and around sure. South yeah. Florida. Could come, it could come down to just percentage or money or something. Maybe Wade was asking for more than what Haslam. I, but I'm with you. I'm, I'm with you. Having said all that, I, I've been pretty resolute in thinking that he's not coming back. And, of course, it, he could decide the day before training camp and they'll roll out the carpet for him. But I just don't think he's coming back. I think, I think last year... Already with the passing of his father, the understanding was, look, 20 is a really great goal. I don't have to really live up to 20 anymore. But he was there last year because, one, he was making an impact. Two, he was still capable of playing things that we've talked about ad nauseum. But three, that was also their best chance at a championship. They had done what they could Mm. in in terms of agency and adding P.J. Tucker and adding Kyle Lowry. They were really, really close. The, the team just seemed like it was going to be able to get past the hump of the previous season and get to where they needed to do for a title. It didn't work out that way. And I don't know that he wants to continue to go through that grind this season yeah. if there's no realistic goal as far as a championship in sight. Uh, that's not to say that they can't compete for one or that they can't fall ass backwards into the Eastern Conference Finals or something along those lines. But on paper, this team does not necessarily seem as strong a contender as last year's. And I think that makes it a little harder to go out there and continue going through the daily grind, which he has never shied away from. But I just think he's ready right. to move on and do other things. So from my perspective, I think he's done. I don't think he comes back. And I also think that there's another ex-Heat player that might be somebody that they're willing to take a look at in terms of what they want from this roster or something. Well, hold on to it. Okay. Hold on to that I thought because I'm with you. I, I like where you're going with this. Um, cause obviously that would open up a roster spot. Mm-hmm. That's something worth talking about. But I, I, I think you're right. Obviously when you read these comments, he's not as enthused about coming back as he once was. And by the way, this is about the year anniversary of Udonis Haslam signing the one year contract last summer, yeah. right? He base he tends to wait this long anyway, Absolutely. but again, you and I have long heard and, and, and believe that, you know, this is far from a lock. This is not the same as it was even last year, where we've basically been doing this for half a decade, it feels like, just waiting for him to make that retirement decision. And so, yeah. obviously, I'm, he's, he's not as convinced. And I think you raise a really good point. 
Last year, it was almost like, all right, one more shot at this thing. And maybe I'll go do 20. Let me see how my body feels. And maybe part of this is if the Heat do make that Kevin Durant trade or something of that ilk, does Udonis has him say, well, now I'll come back. Yep. Sure. Maybe that's a huge part of it. Maybe he's waiting to see where this thing ends up that. too. And 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 if basically it's like, yeah, no, we're just it, it's this is the team in training camp. This is going to be it. Then then maybe he doesn't care so much about competing for another ring. By the way, if he comes back to Miami and is in the front office, he still gets a ring. Whether or not if they win a championship, he still gets a ring. So it's not just about that. But it's different when you're a player. Right. You want to participate. You want to as a player play and win a championship. It's different when you're one of the players. So. Um, I think that's part of it. I just, part of me still feels like he just comes back. It's so much easier to just come back. It is. First of all, you're getting paid two plus million dollars to do it. That's nice. You can always use a little bit more money. What's wrong with two more million dollars? Sure. And, and it, you know, 10 years from now, would he regret not getting to that 20 year mark? Because he does talk about how that mattered to him and it matters to his dad. I think it matters to, it probably mattered to his dad more than it mattered to him, but through that, it did matter to him. And I wonder if it's just, if you're UD and it's like, all right, worst case scenario, I make two more million dollars because whatever role he gets, unless it's an ownership thing, he's probably not making two million bucks in, a new, in some weird hybrid front office role or whatever it is. Right. So I make two million dollars. Over the course of the season, I work it out with the Heat and Mickey Arison and figure out what the next version of this looks like. And I get that 20, 20 year milestone. And I'm not really going to play anyway. So my body's not going to break down a whole lot. And I'm Udonis Haslam. So if I want to hold out of practice one day, I could do it. Now, it doesn't speak to who UD is. He's sort of the culture carrier. He's holding that baton. But at the same time, the Heat don't need Udonis Haslam to do that in the way that they did in the years immediately following Dwayne Wade's retirement, where they really needed UD. Jimmy Butler does that. Bam Adebayo does that, right? How We've just heard Bam Adebayo not too long ago say, hey, I'm— Mr. 305 2.0, I want to be the next Udonis Haslam. Right. And and I think he's an okay conduit for that, right? Yeah, like absolutely. he like there's enough guys on this roster who embody the heat culture that Haslam is not as necessary in that locker room as he once was. And so maybe it does clear the path for him to take a step back or just fully retire. Yeah, I could I could see that. I, I it's it's a tough call. Um, you know, we've we've spoken about his value and I think it's been pretty clear. I, I think players have all spoken about it. There is a, an incredible level of appreciation for what he does bring to the table, but I think now more than ever, it seems less urgent for him to be able to go out there and continue right. to, to make that sort of impact. So, yeah, that's, that's uh, what I come down to is that he probably won't come back. And, and I, I hear your points about, well, you can still make the money, you can still establish yourself, and you can still kind of just work towards whatever's next, but I don't, I don't know that he needs to. And it's not to say that he's going to laugh at $2 million because it's still $2 million. But I just don't think he's also... Right. I don't think he has to stick it out for a year just so he can collect a paycheck. I don't think that's ever been his goal. Uh, no. I mean, the 20-year the thing does sound important. Again, I wonder how, more, how important, important it is did, now. Yeah. That is that... Exactly. But Vince Carter, Robert Parrish, Kevin Willis, Kevin right. Garnett, Dirk, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Kobe, Jamal Crawford. That's the list of players who have played 20 years in the NBA. LeBron is probably going to do it. Carmelo Anthony, yeah, if he signs to another team, could potentially do it. Um, Udonis Haslam, if he resigns with Miami with the contract that is on the table for him, will certainly do it. And that's a short list, and it's an esteemed list, and it would be a very cool uh, accomplishment if he does do it. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. Now, to your point earlier, if Udonis Haslam does not come back, then now the Heat suddenly have a 14th roster spot open. They do technically still have a 15th spot open, but they're not going to use it because they want to stay under the luxury tax. But if Haslam doesn't come back, 
Haslam, by the way, makes the maximum amount of, of minimum, if that makes sense. He makes the max minimum because he's played almost 20 years in the yeah. NBA. Um, and so they have a full minimum contract to use on anybody who is a free agent and willing to take it. Who do you like for that 14th spot? It's not who I like. It's who I think they might like. Uh, and maybe it was just inspired by a recent post on Instagram. But uh, I think there's the possibility an opening up of bringing back a Myers Leonard to fill that center position. I, I, I like, I, I don't even necessarily want to go. That's not where I thought you were going with this. It's okay. not. I told you, I told you <laughs> no. where I was going via text. You texted me. I thought it was a joke. I forgot about it. No, I, was I, just think, a not, I thought it was just an unfunny joke that you made. <laughs> I, I think, look, I think there's part of the heat culture that accepts that his apology and growth from his terrible comments uh, is genuine yeah. and that he's made the leaps that he has. Like, I mean, we're talking about the guy, he, he's still in his mid to late 20s. Like, it's not like he's past his prime or anything like that. You could argue whether he was very good in the What's first What's the place. Instagram post, by the way, that you're referencing? Uh, I, it's a professional photographer, or Cassie Athena, I think. And oh, she Cassie shows, Athena, yeah. Yeah, this shows a Drew Hanlon workout with Tyler Hero and Myers Leonard both there so that's kind of what put the connection mm. to me um I, I think that one season that he was with my oh i mean he was part for that second season but then there was the 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 whole covid impacted thing and, and we weren't having the same kind of mm -hmm. media access as we did but the year before uh in that locker room he was beloved uh he was appreciated his gregarious bigger than life personality etc everything about that just seemed to fit in well and even the way Spolstra used to talk about him like they, there was an appreciation for his his work ethic and everything else like that and I think Pat Riley like believed in that too which is why he got the contract that he did I, I think if there's a need for a floor spacing big and somebody who you know is going to work and fits into this culture and you can already feel comfortable with it's a name I, again yeah. I, I'm not saying I condone it I'm not saying I think it's the right choice I don't even know if it's the best choice but I think it's a choice that the heat front office would be willing to make yeah, I guess it depend. It, it would have to go to Mickey Harrison. It would have to come across his desk and how he feels about it. Mickey Harrison, obviously one of the more prominent uh, Jewish owners in the NBA, would have to make a decision See, on but that. I, the and, way, and I don't want to. I don't want to speak for Mickey Harrison, nor do I want to get banned from FTX Arena for life. But I, I think that, I think even at the moment, like his response to have Myers traded, like not outright cut, showed like oh, we, we don't really want to screw the guy over. Like if you're just talking about non-committal. Like I, I think he just kind of put it in the front office and passed hands and said, "Look, well, that was a out. salary thing. Yeah, that was a salary thing. I mean, look, uh, to your point, uh, like no doubt, I, I do think that the Heat would be willing to consider it. I don't, I don't know. I, like, like you said, I'm not going to speak for anybody in the front office, but based on their history, I think that they would be willing to give Myers another chance, maybe mm -hmm. potentially. But what does he look like? He hasn't played basketball in a whole long. He wasn't like super, super awesome when he was in Miami. He mm -hmm. lost a starting job and all these things. So we'll see." The other name I thought, I, I thought you were going with Markeith Morris, who's still out there and available. Yeah, and I do wonder if, you know, me, it kind of felt like that bur that bridge had been burnt the way that they handled the, the whiplash injury and everything like that. But now Markeith Morris is unemployed. So how burnt is that bridge? How, yeah, how burnt is that bridge if it means just staying unemployed for Markeith Morris? I think he'd be willing to maybe patch things up if there's anything needed to patch up in the first place. But um, maybe he's an option, too. Um, the other guy we talked about, Carmelo Anthony. Yeah. Wouldn't that be something? If Udonis Haslam said, you know what? I don't really care about a 20th season. I'm retiring. And the Heat were like, well, we'll just give Carmelo Anthony a 20th season. And they just came back and let Melo get that accomplishment instead. He could be an option too, potentially. But, um, yeah, I, look, I'm, I'm for, I'm, I'm, I think Markeith would be an interesting option. He could certainly start at power forward, you know, yeah. game one. 
Um, <laughs> he knows the team. He knows the players. He was just there. I think Carmelo's Carmelo a better probably option couldn't... to start at the four right now than anybody else on the roster. Definitely defensive concerns, but would space the floor. And you, if you're trying to lean into what it is that you want to be doing this next year, which is create a little bit more space around Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo, Carmelo Anthony would help you do that. Teams still close out on Carmelo Anthony. It's pretty remarkable. I mean, he could still hit that corner three with the best of them. So he's going to um, be in better yeah, shape than he's ever options. been at any point in his career. That's I think that's another thing. That's probably true. And he's that's probably true. Even like Olympic Melo is in really good shape. But you're probably that's probably true. Yeah. Um, all right. That'll do it for us today. Remember to like and subscribe to new Locked On Heat episodes on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for making Locked On Heat your first listen every day. For your second listen, get up to date on the latest news and rumors in the NBA in just 30 minutes every day with Locked On NBA. Locked On NBA, your daily NBA update in just 30 minutes. Remember, we have our Game 6 rewatch of the 2006 NBA Finals coming up later in the week and plenty of more content that you're going to want to look out for. So make sure you subscribe. Smash those buttons that need smashing. And... We'll talk to you later this week. Thanks for joining me, David. You got it, Wes.